This is section 2.2 of AMSCO, the Mongol Empire, and the Modern World. The Mongols of Central Asia marched across much of Eurasia throughout the 13th century, leaving destruction and chaos in their wake. The reputation of the Mongols for slaughter spread even farther than their actual conquest. Matthew Paris had no first-hand knowledge of the Mongols as he wrote the first safe vantage point of Benedictine Abbey in England. Like Paris, most writers of the time focused on Mongol aristocracies. However, their quest for blood and treasure, the Mongols in their quest uh, also sparked a period of interregional connection and exchange at a level that the world had not experienced in a thousand years. The Mongols and their surroundings. In the 12th century, the Mongols were multiple clans of pastoral nomads who herded goats and sheep and who were also hunter foragers north of the Gobi Desert in East Asia. Life on the arid Asian steppes were, was harsh and it shaped the Mongol culture. The Mongols expected everyone, male and female, to become skilled horse riders and they highly valued courage in hunting and warfare. They were surrounded by other tribes, the Tatars, the Namians, and the Murkits, and the powerful Jurchen in Northern China. The Mongols coveted the relative wealth of tribes and kingdoms that were located closer to the Silk Roads and had easier access to luxury goods such as silk clothing and gold jewelry. Genghis Khan. The Mongol, Mongol leader Temujin, born in 1162, spent the early decades of his life creating a series of tribal alliances and defeating neighboring groups one by one. He formed key friendships and married his oldest son to the daughter of a neighboring Khan or king. Temujin was intensely focused on building power. With this focus, he sometimes appointed talented non-family members to positions over family members. He was often also ruthless. For example, he killed his own stepbrother. He considered personal loyalty the best way to run his growing kingdom. In 1206, Temujin gathered the Mongol chieftains at a meeting called uh, a Kralitai, where he was elected Khan of the Mongolian kingdom. He took, the same, he took the name Genghis Khan, or ruler of all. The beginning of conquest. In 1210, Genghis Khan and his troops headed east and attacked the powerful Jin Empire, which had been established by the Jurchens a century earlier and now ruled Manchuria, Inner Mongolia, and Northern China. Its capital was the city of Zhongzhou, present-day Beijing. Genghis Khan earned his reputation as, t as a terrifying warrior during this campaign. Anyone who resisted him was brutally killed in retribution. Sometimes the Mongols wiped out the civilian populations of entire towns after defeating their armies. Stories of Khan's brut brutality spread in advance of his new westward, uh, westward campaigns, inducing some leaders to surrender before an attack. In 1219, Khan conquered the Central Asian Kara Kitai Empire and the Islamic Khwarazm Empire farther west. By 1227, Genghis Khan's Khanate, or kingdom, reached from North China Sea to Eastern Persia. Genghis Khan at War Khan's empire would not have been possible without the skilled and fearsome soldiers under his command. Mongolian soldiers were strong riders and proficient with the short bow. They were also highly disciplined, and the Khan developed an efficient command structure. To help with communication between units, a messenger force was created whose members rode for days without stopping, even sleeping on their horses while continuing to ride. 
With the help of Genghis Khan, the Mongolian armies developed special units that mapped the terrain so that they were prepared against attacks and knew which way to go to attack their enemies. Their military strategies extended to surprise and craft. For instance, Mongol forces frequently deployed a band of warriors smaller than that of their enemy, retreating in feigned uh, defeat. Usually, enemy forces pursued the retreating Mongols, who then amassed larger forces to confuse and outflank the enemy. When coming upon an enemy settlement, Genghis Khan sent a small group uh, ahead to ask for surrender. If the enemy refused, he killed all the aristocrats. Craftsworkers, miners, and others with skills, such as the ability to read and write, were recruited for the Mongol Empire. Others uh, were used as laborers for tasks such as carrying looted goods back to the Mongol capital or as a fodder in the front lines of battles. Mongols quickly incorporated their military into their military the weapons and technology of peoples they conquered. For example, when they conquered parts of China and Persia, they exploited the expertise of captured engineers who knew how to produce improved siege weapons, such as portable towers used to attack wall fortifications and catapults that hurled stones or other objects. To keep contact with the far reaches of the empire, Genghis Khan created a type of Pony Express, except instead of carrying written letters, uh, writers carried oral messages. Genghis Khan at peace. Those who expected Genghis Khan to govern the way he made war were surprised. The period of Eurasian history between the 13th and 14th centuries often called the Pax Mongolia or Mongolian peace. Genghis Khan established the capital of his empire at Karakoram, near the center of what is now the modern, modern country of Mongolia. In constructing the city and establishing the government, he consulted with scholars and engineers of Chinese and Islamic traditions. Genghis Khan may have been responsible for more new bridges than any other ruler in history. The social policies of Genghis Khan were liberal for the day. For example, he instituted a policy of religious tolerance throughout his empire, which was unusual in the 13th century. Freed from years of warfare, Genghis Khan's soldiers uh, took charge of protecting uh, the Silk Roads, making them safe for trade and ushering the third golden age of the Silk Roads. New trade channels were also established between Asia, the Middle East, Africa, and Europe. Those who survived the conquest by the Mongols and their descendants benefited from the reinvigoration of trade routes that had not been heavily used since the days of the Roman and Han empires. Genghis Khan's effort to unify his empire included a direct, directing a scribe uh, captured in 1204 to adopt the Weiger, empire, uh, Weiger alphabet to represent Mongol. Although the effort to establish one system throughout the empire failed, the alphabet is still used in Mongolia today. Mongolian Empire expands. Three of Genghis Khan's grandsons set up their own khanates, furthering expand, uh, further expanding the empire into Asia and Europe. With each conquest, the empire expanded, with new people absorbed into its economy and networks of exchange. Batu and the Golden Horde. In 1236, Batu, the son of Khan's oldest son, led a Mongolian army of 100,000 soldiers into Russia, which at the time was a loose network of city-states and principalities. Batu's army, which came to be known as the Golden Horde, marched westward, conquering the small Russian kingdoms and forcing them to pay tributes. In 1240, the capital city of Kiev was looted and destroyed. The Golden Horde pushed, uh, continued pushing westward. An initial period of sympathy for the Mongols, 
based on religious toleration and promotion of trade, evaporated when, yester- when Western Europe saw the Golden Horde conquer a Christian region, Russia. In 1241, Batu led the Golden Horde into a successful military encounter with Pol- Polish, German, and French knights under the leadership of King Henry of Silesia. Soon afterward, Batu defeated a force of Hungarian knights. He set his next sights. Uh, he next set his sights on Italy and Austria, but fate intervened. Back in Karakoram, Oday Khan, uh, the great Khan's successor, had died. Batu called off the attacks and returned home to attend the funeral and to see um, to issues of succession. But by the time Batu returned to Europe, he had apparently lost interest in conquering Western Europe. The Mongols ruled northern Russia by working through existing Russian rulers who set regular tributes. The Mongols chose this form of indirect rule because they did not want to live in the forests. The rulers of the city-state of Moscow began collecting additional tributes, which they set aside to develop an army to resist the Mongols, and began building an anti-Mongol coalition among the Russian city-states. This coalition, under Moscow's leadership, rose up against the Golden Horde and defeated it in 1380 in the Battle of Kulikovo. After this battle, the Mongol influence began to decline. By the mid-16th century, Russia had all but defeated... No, sorry... By the mid-16th century, Russia had defeated all of the descendant Khans of the Mongols except for the Crimean Tatars, who were not defeated until the late 18th century. The Mongols had had a long-lasting impact on Russia. As elsewhere, Russia suffered widespread devastation and death over the Mongol attacks. But once the destruction by the Golden Horde was over, Russia began to recover. The invasions prompted Russian princes to improve their military organization and uh, to accept the value of centralized leadership of the region. More, uh, in addition, three centuries of Mongol rule severed Russia's ties with much of Western Europe. As a result, Russia developed a more distinctly Russian culture than it did before, and resistance to the Mongols created the foundation for the modern Russian state. Hulegu and the Islamic Heartlands. While Batu led the Western armies, Hulegu, another grandson of Genghis Khan, took charge of the southwest region. In 1258, Hulagu led the Mongols into the Abbasid territories, where they destroyed the city of Baghdad and killed the caliph, along with perhaps 200,000 residents of the city. Hulegu's Mongolian armies continued to push west, threatening more of the Middle East. In 1260, however, they were defeated by a result of temporary alliance with the Muslim Mamluks under their military leader, um, Bey Bars, and Christian crusaders in Palestine. Both religious groups uh, viewed the Mongols as a serious threat. At the time of, it, of this defeat, Hulegu's kingdom, called the Inclinate in Central Asia, reached from Byzantium to the Oxus River, which is now called the Amu Darya. Mongols ruled this kingdom, but Persians served as ministers and provincial and local officials. The Mongols found that this arrangement resulted in maximum tax collection. Eventually, Hulegu and most of the other Mongols living in Ilkhanate converted to Islam. Before this conversion, the Mongols had tolerated all religions in Persia. After the conversion, however, Mongols supported massacres of Jews and Christians. Kublai Khan and the uh, the Yuan Dynasty. 
Meanwhile, in the eastern part of the Mongolian Empire, the grandson of Genghis Khan, Kublai Khan, set his sights on China, which had been ruled by the Song Dynasty. Uh, China was more for, a more formidable opponent than those faced by the other Khans, and uh, Kublai Khan's armies spent the years um, from 1235 to 1271 attempting to conquer China. In 1260, Kublai Khan assumed the title of Great Khan, and 11 years later finally defeated the Chinese. Adhering closer to Chinese tradition, rather than enforcing Mongolian practices of leadership and control, Kublai Khan established the Yuan Dynasty. He, re he rebuilt the capital of Zhangju, uh, which had been destroyed by the Mongols in 1215, calling it Dadu. The Kublai Khan proved to be skilled at governing a large, diverse territory. Like his grandfather, he instituted a policy of religious tolerance, which inspired loyalty in formerly oppressed groups such as Buddhists and Taoists, who were out of favor in China at, a, at the time. His policies were also tolerant toward Muslims, Jews, and Christians. With these and other forms and the protection of Mongolian armies, most Chinese initially enjoyed the rule of the Great Khan. He brought prosperity to China because of the cultural exchanges and improved trade with other countries, including European ones. Mongol women led more independent lives than women in other societies of the time. In their nomadic culture, women tended flocks of sheep and goats in addition to raising children and providing meals for the family. Since they rode horses as Mongol as Mongolian men did, the women um, wore the same kind of leather trousers. trousers. The Mongol women could remarry after being widowed and could initiate divorces. Mongols lose power. Despite Kublai Khan's adoption of many of Chinese customs, Mongolian leaders eventually ali were alienated many Chinese. They hired foreigners of the government rather than native-born Chinese. By promoting Buddhists and Taoists and dismantling the civil service exam system, uh, the Mongols distressed the Chinese scholarly gentry class, who were often Confucians. The official policy was one of tolerance. Although the official policy was one of tolerance, the Mongols tended to remain separate from the Chinese and prohibited non-Mongols from speaking Mongolian. Just as Batu had reached the limit of Mongol, Mongol expansion in the West, the Mongol rulers of China failed to expand beyond China. Starting in 1274, the Yuan Dynasty tried and failed to conquer Japan, Indochina, Burma, and the island of Hava. These defeats suggested to the already dischanted Chinese population that the Mongols were not as fearsome as they once had been. In the 1350s, the secret White Lotus Society uh, began quietly organizing to put an end to the Yuan Dynasty. In 1368, Zhu Yuanzang, a Buddhist monk from a poor peasant family, led a revolt that overthrew the Yuan Dynasty and founded the Ming Dynasty. The Mongols' defeat in China paralleled a great decline in their power elsewhere, and the empire began to shrink. The Golden Horde has lost its territory by about 1369, while Central Asian territories were conquered by Tamerlane, also known as Timur the Lame, at around the same time. The Long-Term Impact of Mongolian Invasions The Mongolian invasions played a key role in history in many ways, positive and negative. Mongols conquered a larger area than the Romans, and their bloody reputation was usually well-earned. Their empire was the largest continuous land empire in history. 
During the period known as Pax Mongolia, Mongols revitalized interregional trade between Asia, the Middle East, Africa, and Europe. The Mongols built a system of roads and continued to maintain and guard the trade routes. Interregional cultural exchange occurred as well. Islamic scientific knowledge made its way to China, and paper from China made um, possible the revolution and communication powered by the Gutenberg Press. Mong the Mongols transferred Greco-Islamic medical knowledge and the Arabic numbering system to Western Europe. The Mongol con conquest helped transmit the fleas that carried the bubonic plague, termed the Black Death from Southern China to Central Asia and from there to Southeast Asia and Europe. It followed similar paths of trade and military conquest. The Mongols ruled successfully due, their, due to their understanding of centralized power, a capacity that, could, uh, that would transfer in many cases to the occupied civilizations. The Mongols devised and used a single international law for all of their conquered territories. Thus, after the Mongols declined in power, the kingdoms and states of Europe, Asia, and Southeast Asia continued or copied the process of centralized power. The Mongol fighting techniques were led to the end of Western Europe's use of knights in armor. The heavily clad knights could not react in time to the Mongols' use of speed and surprise. And finally, the era of the walled city in Europe also came to an end, as walls proved useless against the Mongol siege technology. Some consider the cannon a Mongol invention, cobbled together using Chinese gunpowder, Muslim flamethrowers, and European bell casting techniques. And that concludes the end of section 2.2 .2 of AMSCO. Thank you.